Uh, but these are just philosophies rather than ideas. And I think that'll make more sense when I say them. In the context of what do I do to find my flow or what is my sort of creative philosophy? Number one, take long walks. Number two, be afraid, be very afraid. I don't remember what that was in context to. But I do think <laughs> fear is actually a, um, un, uh, is, can be a driving force. And it's treat every day like it's insanity. <laughs> that is a reference of, from Jeremy Lin when he was on the New York Knicks. And for two weeks, he was the best basketball player in the world. And that when you have something good going, ride it out because it's not going to last. And also, ins find inspiration. Like, yeah. what is out there that you're liking, that you're like, dang, that's yeah. awesome. And I want to be that, whatever side of it is, I want to do that. Yeah. It's kind of like with this, we're like, Jake, at the end of these 10 episodes, the three of us won't be who we were when we started. It'll be totally different. Well, maybe I'll be a Ryan, too. Oh. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Or a Holdeman. <laughs> Humans love creativity. It's probably no secret, but we spend hundreds of dollars to see an artist perform on stage. We go to museums just to look at an original painting. And one of the best compliments we give a child is saying, she's so creative. And it makes sense why we appreciate it, even though creativity, in my opinion, is part of our DNA, it's still really, really hard. I've played the piano, for example, for most of my life, and after years of trying to write songs, I've maybe produced one that wasn't terrible. It's because being creative is really, really hard. To do it consistently for your job is even more difficult. This is the interesting lives of normal people, and this episode is all about creativity as we talk with Andy and Ellie Holdman. Andy writes actual TV commercials, and Ellie is an art director for Airbnb, though she did have a different employer at the time of this recording. They're married, and if the last name sounds familiar, it's because they are brother and sister-in-law to our own Ryan Holdman. In this conversation, we pick the brains of two creatives. We talk about their approaches to being creative, where and how they draw creative inspiration, what they do when they're stuck, we talk about their creative philosophies, and it's also just interesting to see how two people that are married with similar jobs operate very differently. We also close with some advice about what to do with this very podcast. Just a heads up that we did have some audio issues with the audio in this recording. All right, let's get to it. All right, everyone, welcome to the podcast that doesn't have a name. Jake's show. Not Jake's show, but... I guess it's in the running. It's the only option right now. But in this podcast, we are looking at really approaching this podcast with a point of view of like, how do you actually create a podcast? How do you create a passion project that makes a difference um, in the world around you? And we're deciding through me and my two friends, Ryan Fenley and Ryan Holdeman, hosting this podcast, trying to really figure out how do you create a good podcast that actually makes a difference? And so that's what we're actually attempting to do with this podcast is learn how to make a podcast. Um, and this week or this episode, we are uh, talking with two other Holdemans, Andy Holdeman and Ellie Holdeman. There is a relation, I think, to Ryan Holdeman. Okay. Brother and sister-in-law. And th they are creatives. Ryan picked the same first name. We picked the same last name. <laughs> Two Ryans, multiple Holdemans. And I'll have them describe what they do. But first of all, welcome, Ellie, Andy. Thank you for joining us and to giving us some time to chat with you and pick your brains. On You are two creatives 
but maybe you could get, describe a little bit more about what you actually do. Yeah. Why don't you go first, Andy? Okay. Since I spoke up. Yeah. Um, I like the prompt of what do you actually do? Well, on LinkedIn, you will find me listed as a copywriter for an advertising agency. But what I actually do is mostly poke around the internet. What, what do you mean by that? So you're a copywriter for a creative agency, but like on a day-to-day basis, what is your job? What is your role? What do you produce uh, for the agency? So I think day-to-day, I, I, how about I answer that project by project? I think that is a, a better way for me to answer anyway. So what I do is the end result is an ad. So whether that's a TV commercial or a digital something or other or a dumb annoying banner ad that everybody blocks with an ad blocker that's the final output and then for reverse engineering from that it starts with any given project is starts with a creative brief from some other department that a client has a problem or a thing they want to sell and then it comes to us in the form of, of a creative brief and i work with a you know a partner who is more of an expert in the visuals and I guess my expertise is words, although I feel like copywriter is a misnomer in the industry. It's, it's not just about words, but we start with a, a brief and then we concept. So the phases are you concept big ideas to solve the brief. And from there, you, you go through tons of concepts. You present those concepts to a client. And then from those big ideas that a client likes, you express them in different media so a script for a tv commercial or a headline for a print ad even though i don't think i've even ever made a real print ad a dead medium you do all these you try to express the big idea in as many ways as possible and then you produce them by working with various people like a director or or a some other production (laughs) partner i do have some follow-up questions just about copywriting because in my position just what I've realized is that a lot of people don't recognize the writing, being able to write well is really like the crux of all, a lot of creative ideas and a lot of creative abilities is being able to write it out. Maybe painting is different, but in anything, especially in the digital world, being able to write out what you want to do first is, and being able to communicate that idea is paramount to creating good content. Anyway, so we can talk about that a little bit more. Ellie, Tell us a little bit about what you do, this company that you work for that people may have heard of. Oh, geez. As far as my immediate job, regardless of where I work, and now this is sounding very ominous about where I work, but I essentially do what Andy does. A lot of it from start to finish is pretty much the same, but you mentioned it, Jake. The other half of that is the visual side and selling an idea, half of it is what, and a lot of times that's very powerful too. So that's what I do, make ads, I make commercials. That's what I got into this business for. I just thought it was the coolest thing to do something that people saw on TV. And I still get to do it, which I feel pretty grateful to do. I think obviously people in the creative realm know this, but specifically copywriter and art director, this is, this is the way the creative team is structured, right? Is yes. These two parts. Yeah, in we the are, industry. Yeah incomplete without each other i would say although many claim that they could do it on their own or they could handle both sides but i think it's a nice compliment 
an interesting structure if you could, a lot of people don't really consider themselves lucky enough to have somebody to work with and to bounce ideas off of and stuff. I think that is a cool part of the, the business and how it's structured. Do you but, need three question askers? Because that's what we do on this yeah. podcast. Sorry. Okay, You're great. Not, I'm not lucky enough to have another partner <laughs> in the mix. So. I don't know if we made it clear or not, but are you two married? Yes. Okay. We're life partners, but not, okay, work, okay, okay. not work yes. partners. Right. Would we ever be work partners is another discussion. Who does the art directing in your real lives? Mm. That would be me. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. You got to take some time off in the evenings. Okay, but I should probably say I do work for Facebook. I work on a device that Facebook makes, which is a video calling device. Regardless of that, it's basically the same. I just sell something that people buy and I make ads for it. It's cool. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more about how. She's also a painter. Oh, I hope I, my comment wasn't offensive. No, it, I oh, felt wow. like it was, was, uh, uh, it was serendipitous. Yeah. I was flattered. I also think technically <laughs> complimented painting you dog art direction, I think, but not painting. Well, like if somebody's just painting a painting, they're usually not going to write a paragraph about what they're going to paint. Maybe. I would be surprised if people do, but I would also be fascinating. Correct me if I'm wrong. All ideas are 100% dependent on the copywriter, except painting. <laughs> and then that was a great lead-in where Ellie's going, <laughs> so I, the part that you just said is irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? I'm a painter. Oh, crap. <laughs> um, great. So one of the first questions I wanted to ask to open up the kind of conversation is, how do you get into your flow? And that seems to be like something that I've heard that a term I've heard a lot lately, and maybe you have too, but to get in the right headspace. I walk away from it first. Walk away physically. <laughs> yeah. I just like to give it some time, but that's usually because a pro problem has presented itself to me. And I like need a second to just be like, whoa, I just, I need to digest that do something completely different just to get my mind out of it. Cause I feel like every time I briefed on something, which is what Andy touched on, I like, I feel like I'm like, ah, I gotta be, I gotta make this perfect. And I want to be, I want to kill this and I want to do really well. And I want to do all these things. And then if I walk away, I feel like I let that tension out and I can focus a little better after that. So it's like input step, input the creative brief, input the problem and let your subconscious start working on it essentially yeah. before you yeah. like, start doing it consciously. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's gotta be a problem. It's not just walk away and let a problem emerge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. But if you guys are, can, this is more about a passion project. I feel like that's a little different too. Well, the, the problem is Jake's incredibly unhappy with his entire life. Oh. Solve it with a good podcast. Entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. In episode one, we covered that that wasn't true. Oh, okay. Go back and listen if you haven't listened to episode one yet. You're right, I'll just be miserable. Can I add a tidbit about what Ellie just said? Yep. So actually, there's research, education research about how, like, where breakthroughs come from in terms of like, intellectually, whether that's like solving a mathematical proof that you've had a hard time with or coming up with creative ideas, the idea that you would concentrate on a problem and then take walk away from it. It's even, it's been shown to be so effective that they actually, it's a suggested method for studying. If you had, if you're in college and you're studying for finals, think hard, study hard, and then literally just walk away from it and 
I, I'm not a neuroscientist yet, so I don't know why exactly that helps you, why that helps the brain, but it has been shown to work. And in fact, I was just reading an article the other day from the Atlantic, I think, about a guy, Professor Dartmouth, who like so basically solves all of his proofs and like hard problems by like really thinking hard about it for 20, 30 minutes and then going for a run and then coming back. So interesting that there's the parallels there. Explains why I did so bad in college. <laughs> you studied too much. Come on. I never took breaks. That's, I do think flow is a white whale for creatives that they are always chasing, especially in a professional industry with uh, very limiting factors like deadlines and annoying people around you. And it's hard to find flow in the sense where ideas are just raining down. But I th so I think you have to find, you have to be extremely disciplined in a professional setting to generate ideas and quickly. But what I do, if I get a brief or something, the first, I guess the first thing is to purge all of the existing thoughts I have about it, pre-existing feelings or whatever, or because I think I have a lifetime of inputs that influence the output. So you have to, to truly be creative and come up with a new idea, which any idea is debatable. I think <laughs> I've heard before there are, are a total of 60 original ideas that just get recycled over and over again. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I couldn't even name what this, one of the 60 are. But ninjas. One of them is ninjas. Ninjas. That is not depressing at all. <laughs> <laughs> As but someone I, who is asked to come up with new ideas all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, but I just, there are layers of pre-existing influences you have to, to purge first to really find, to cut to the bone of what is, because what I guess a, an idea is, and I just did air quotes, an idea is a human truth it's based on human truth so you have to cut through all the bs to get to that the truth of whatever you're trying to express mm. and maybe this is a good segue so before this podcast started recording i remembered a thing a series of things i wrote in an ipad and it's embarrassing but i was trying to come up with a better linkedin summary other than the straightforward, I am this and I do this for this. <laughs> but there's also the other end of the spectrum is the really annoying too cute thing where it's, it's people are trying to be too funny right. or clever. So I was trying to think of from a advertising creative perspective, what is a, my creative philosophy, which I think relates to more, more creative process. As I look at what I wrote down, they're more probably process oriented. And I have 11 things that I could read. Some are more embarrassing than others. Read them. Is that part of the 60 ideas? No, <laughs> no, it is not. So the biggest thing yep. is um, abstract and I can't even, might not even be accurate. It's just a thing that I heard that I repeated on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but these are just philosophies rather than ideas. And I think that it'll make more sense when I say them. So like in the context of what do I do to find my flow or what is my sort of creative philosophy? Number one, 
take long walks, which I do think relates to Ellie's <laughs> answer and Finn's totally reaction. Number two, be afraid. Be very afraid. Oh. I don't remember what that was in context to. But I do think <laughs> fear can be a driving force. All creatives are insecure and afraid in a lot of ways of being exposed or waiting for the other shoe to drop. The most insecure people. Yeah. Being exposed to being like a phony. Yeah. Being an uncreative, boring, unoriginal thinker. It's so you always have to, that fear is a motivating factor to not be that. The frequency yeah. at which you have to present things, put yourself out there and immediately get feedback. And a lot of times, obviously there's a, a number of ways or reasons or things that you hear back it's business it's this person the cmo doesn't like this or whatever and it always feels personal and i think yeah. that's constantly takes a toll and on you, you have to listen to feedback by your creative idea from mm -hmm. people that aren't in the business of for being sure creative, right? yeah. so it's a little bit like uh, one thing that i felt many times is that i'm always worried that some people are going to figure out that my job is not hard <laughs> and that <laughs> Making video or is you could learn in a weekend or whatever. Like yeah, hosting a podcast is not that hard. It's, it's super, super duper easy. Well, I, um, I do think thinking of ideas is not hard, but it's all the other the criticisms and yeah, all that that go with it. It's hard. And the, I would imagine just trying to talk people into your ideas when you like them to speak for themselves. Like, yeah. This is a great idea, right? Mm -hmm. It's obvious. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel that way about this. This is a part of you. You yeah. want people to like a part of you. It has Jake's name on yeah. the title for it. <laughs> it doesn't. Jake show. <laughs> Train, do you think the security, insecurity, security issue is what leads to a lot of creatives just like writing people off as idiots? Like it's their safety mechanism of being like, you like, you don't get my art. I'm not saying you guys, but that's like a thing that creatives are known for. Yeah, I think there are a lot of idiots out there. <laughs> it's probably in a lot of ways a defense mechanism. Like when we present ideas to a client and no matter how poorly they communicate or however nice or not nice they are about it, they have a, a lot of other things to answer for that we never know about or experience, but it's easier rather than understanding their perspective, it's easier to just be like, they're dumb and they don't get it and too bad for them. Yeah. I, I had this epiphany once that it's the easiest way to be, have you have any idea you have be accepted or received is, is for people to listen to you and just, and say, okay, great. And that's what we all desire, but that's also super easy. In fact, so much of the work we all do all the time is to get our ideas heard, even if that's with a family or friends trying to go figure out where to go eat. And then actually the ability to figure out how to be heard, even when people aren't just listening to you, is really important to figure out. The president of the United States has to figure that out because it's always 50% isn't in agreement. And so there's this, how do I figure out how to have my idea heard and, and mobilized on? Is It's just tough. Mm -hmm. The third one is what is true for me is true for all. And I think that gets back to the human truth part. If you f have an idea that is a, a good idea is true for you personally and true for all broadly. A bad idea is one that is true for you personally and not true for all broadly mm -hmm. or vice versa.
kind of like we share the human condition. Hmm. Here's yeah. Number four is be in on the cosmic joke, which I think I don't have any like notes. I just wrote these things and walked away. But basically, <laughs> creativity and ideas are ridiculous, and if you take them too seriously, it just creates more frustration, especially professionally when you're trying to convince other people of, of your ideas. Does it, does taking them too seriously inhibit the quality or the, maybe not the quality, but the um, possibilities of the ideas? Maybe. Kanye comes up with some pretty good ideas, but he does take them pretty seriously, for example. Maybe that, yeah. so maybe that's a, not a no to my question. I, well, I think for in that using that analogy, oftentimes Kanye is not in on the cosmic joke because he is so frustrated all the time, and he, mm. uh, yeah, gotcha. Okay, you have to hold things loosely, ideas loosely, or you'll it'll drive you crazy. Got it. Okay. Mm. More like carrot top. Right. Got it. Be carrot top. Not <laughs> All right, that's a that's a wrap for this show. Be carrot top. That's the subtitle of this episode. If you have the option to be a prop comedian who is largely irrelevant or one of the greatest musical Rappers. artists of the modern era, be carrot top. Apparently, carrot top has an enormously successful Vegas show. Yeah, he does pretty good. Hey, he's yeah. more famous than all of us. That's true. Another one is make a big deal out of a small truth. Or another way, find one good thing and make a big deal out of it. That's more of a... It's a focus thing, I'd yeah. say. The focus of an idea. Precision of an idea. Do you mean as a team? Like if you find something good to like broadcast that to the entire team? Or... No, I think in terms of... It's, it's probably more of an advertising specific thing, but hmm. thinking about a product or a service, what is the one thing you want to talk about? Which oh, is okay. extremely difficult to get everyone to agree on because everybody thinks differently, but um, trying to think of a good example from an advertising perspective. Let's use Facebook. What's the best thing about Facebook? They've actually struggled with that. And I think that's been their, their downfall of who they are in the public eye. Take is, this back next time. Yeah, I will. The poke feature. Oh, yeah. Obviously. The poke. Yeah. <laughs> I do think they probably own Newsfeed. Yeah. The idea of a feed. But now they're, they've obviously are being overzealous in every arm of technology and wanting to be the king of every part of technology. But really, our phones are essentially a bunch of newsfeed applications in yeah. a way, and Facebook was like really the first newsfeed. The next <laughs> one is surprise yourself. And I think the point of that one is when you stumble upon an idea that surprises you, or I guess tickles yourself, <laughs> that's usually you're probably onto something especially when you have to generate ideas a lot in, in a job or whatever you're constantly coming up with ideas so you're recycling different ideas or going through the same thought patterns it gets you create your own grooves and then if when you your brain ventures outside that groove it's you can feel it and that, that when you feel that 
you have to keep pursuing it. Yeah, you're like, ooh, this is different yeah. and fun. <laughs> yeah, I've been here of... before. <laughs> and so, so you're saying that we should call this Jake's show because every time I say it, Jake gets exasperated. I feel a little surprised. You feel tickled. Myself. Yeah, I feel tickled. Great. So I think we're, we're onto on something. something. Jake is rubbing his eyebrows <laughs> in a very. Nobody will subscribe to Jake's show. <laughs> maybe, Smash maybe Jake's show. Jake, show. Jake I'm clearly on to something. We just heard it. I guess they're the experts. I can't argue. Go on. Okay. The next one is underthink. It's very easy to overthink ideas, especially when they are you have personally attached to them. So I think that goes with your, what was the one couple ones ago? Make a big deal out of a small thing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in grad school, when this was still concepting was a new thing, I used to think it was necessary to put in hours and hours of thinking and fill up notebooks of ideas. Mm. I didn't, I couldn't come up with a good idea unless I had filled up all these just pages and pages of dumb ideas. And then I'd end up with this like really convoluted, <laughs> very confusing idea that I had to spend minutes explaining to a professor about, which I found is the exact opposite of what you should do. If you have to think that hard, then everybody else has to think that hard. You're going to lose people. So underthink. I will repeat that one after that tangent. This next one is weird and time specific to a to very brief moment in time many years ago. And it's treat every day like it's insanity. <laughs> that is a reference of, from Jeremy Lin when he was on the New York Knicks. And for two weeks, he was the best basketball player in the world. Mm-hmm. And everyone was super hype. And he was this guy from Harvard who was an undrafted and went onto the biggest stage, Madison Square Garden, in basketball and just dominated. And then as quickly as it came, it faded away. And now he's basically you know, in the last seven years, been a role player on a ton of different teams. Yeah, he got a ring. He does have a ring with the Raptors. But I I think the point here is enthusiasm. And that when you have something good going, ride it out because it's not going to last. And also, I think what, from things I've read about with Insanity, part of it was he was like sleeping on his teammate's couch. He was just, he wasn't doubting himself. He was just kind of like doing the thing. It's almost like the moment there was space to step back and be like, wait a minute, I'm not good enough to be the best basketball player in the world. That's when it ended. Just don't be constantly trying to check reality. If something's going well, don't be like, oh, Murphy's Law. Something's going to go wrong. Yeah, and that brief moments often stand the test of time. So one good idea or whatever, many years ago, last longer in people's minds than some other non-Jeremy Lin basketball player career. Like flow from progressive. That's a bad example because that has lasted a very long time, very (laughs) successfully. (laughs) But uh, more like the general from the general auto insurance. (laughs) That guy has staying power. Was that the full list? No, I have one more actually. Okay. And it's the worst one and the corniest one. And it's to the victor go the toils. 
which basically means success makes everything harder. You have to work, you do something well or have a great idea. You're only as good as your last idea, basically. Ellie, is there anything you would add to that list? I really, I really like that list. That's actually cool that, I don't know if you created it for this discussion or not, but the fact that you just kind of have LinkedIn summary. Oh, that's right, the LinkedIn summary. The fact that you just kind of had that was great. Because I, I also feel like my LinkedIn summary and Twitter dis- description is obnoxious. Hosted you can help me. Yeah, I don't think any of these are actually in my LinkedIn summary, to be honest, but it was a good exercise. Yeah. Ellie, anything to add to that list? Just pictures. <laughs> Painted pictures. <laughs> One of my ideas is where do you consistently get inspiration from? And I don't necessarily mean like an artist, another artist necessarily, but is there an environment or a setting or a time of day that like seems to work best with you where you just kind of it's like, oh, when I'm in this space or when I'm being inspired by this other artist, by this other person, is that where a lot of creative ideas come from? What's the consistent ingredient to where your good ideas get kickstarted? I'll let you take the lead on this one. I don't know if you're going to answer. Zero consistency. Like it changes all the time and it depends on what I'm working on. And maybe Andy touched on this, but I feel like you're just constantly searching for that thing that's going to spark something in you. So mm-hmm. well, sometimes it's like watching a documentary that's related to the thing or taking a walk or waking up super early, drinking a whole cup of coffee and trying to thinking about think about it or... I don't know. It's very inconsistent, which is very frustrating. (laughs) There's no formula, but maybe the, the common ingredient is the desire to find something that inspires you. Maybe that's what Hmm. it's not like a time of day. It's not any sort of situation and there's stuff that makes you comfortable as you're working, but yeah, it's, it's just like, you got to keep looking. So when you get the problem and you walk away mm-hmm. and purge some of the other ideas and then you come back to it to start to conceptualize the big ideas and there isn't something there, do you do the same thing? Is it like repeat the walk away and go do something well, physical yeah. or whatever? Or is it, is there a next thing you do to trigger? Yeah. It's just it's like, if this isn't working, I got to try something else. Okay. Yeah, I would say I have a different answer. I have a very specific answer. Mornings, (laughs) definitely mornings, which is not always doable, but on an ideal day or week or whatever, mornings, long walks, museums. And I thought I had a fourth one, but no. Oh, and things like I guess nonfiction like whether that's and when I say nonfiction not just like a book or a story but a documentary or even like reddit where people speak more without restraint Hmm. and I can elaborate on those yeah I don't know why mornings just because I think there's it's before all the crap of the day whether it's work or news or that's just stuff just adds up in any given day. So it's just freshness. I don't know. I talked about it before. I'm not really sure why, but it's just a lot. Stimulation movement, I think helps. 
museums, not because it's, it doesn't have to be, it's not art or whatever, it's not a specific type of museum or a specific artist. It's just a space that is dedicated to whether it's ideas or contemplation, important things. Yeah, it's just, it's sort of like a safe space, a physical safe space that anyone is invited to go into for mm. zero to $30. And you're surrounded yeah. by ideas that have been executed. Yeah, and I think, and everyone, for the most part, goes in there to respect those things and behave. Not a lot of misbehavior in a museum. Apparently when selfie sticks first came along, there was a lot of issues with them ruining paintings. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I Like ruining the actual physicalness of the painting? There was or, a girl yeah. who was taking a selfie next to a bunch of sculptures and they were lined up in a row. She knocked over one of them and legitimately like dominoes they all yeah, went. Because of a selfie stick? Yeah. Because of a selfie stick. That, that's what I mean. People don't just aren't very spatially aware of themselves, especially when their arm became three feet longer and heartbeat. Don't use selfie sticks. Go to museums. This is the Jake show. <laughs> uh, what was my yeah. I don't remember. Uh, nonfiction. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think a lot of what I do is I work on a lot of video game stuff, which is typically fiction and alternate reality type of stuff. And can you, can you expand what you mean by work on video game stuff? So I make ads and for to to market video games, specific titles, whether it's a, a game about a zombie apocalypse or about space war or pirating or what else? That's pretty much it. Those are that pretty much encapsulates all video games. <laughs> Survival. So it's a lot of. I, I think when you are trying to find, definitely video games is a little different than your typical advertising a product or a service. But I think conceptually, it's you have to ground it in the same thing, which is human truth and human stories. And to do that in such a fictional setting, you have to be believable. And to be believable, you have to draw inspiration from real human stories. Which is why I feel like we both mentioned documentaries too. It just gets you out of your own head and you're like listening to people talk about people or watching people be people. Mm. And it's almost like you get inspiration mm. from that too. Yeah. It gets you out of your own head and thinking about just yourself and just your own reality. And Yeah. Because yeah. mm. if you're working on a science fiction video game and you look to Star Trek for inspiration, it's just step, two steps removed from actual reality. And I think there's diminishing returns in that regard. Do you guys ever just go with the first thing that goes into your head? Like first idea, I'm running with it. Yes. Ooh, that was a good example. <laughs> Great example of going with the first thing. I think a lot of people, I don't know, people like whoever, say you, the first idea is never the best idea, which is potentially true and you, maybe usually true, but I also think instinct especially when you are doing this all the time, instinct is something to value, which probably contradicts with my first statement about purging everything mm -hmm. that you already think, mm -hmm. but. Definitely, I won't go with it. I won't just be like, all right, I'm gonna spend all my time on this idea. Yeah. I'll probably be like, okay, I think that's good, but let me just 
see if put a pin in it or like yeah test myself see if i can come up with other stuff that i think is better first okay one of the next questions we had and i actually don't know where this came from maybe i'm not the best person to ask and so brian or ryan maybe you can elaborate on it but do you begin with the beginning you know like reverse engineer or forward engineer or like when you get a creative brief you got a problem you're coming back to your con concepting big ideas where do you begin knee engineering is that a direction <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Tell <laughs> nope. It doesn't sound I don't know. Like I just heard you say reverse engineer. Oh. And then what was the other one? It's interesting because probably the, the industry impacts us. Sometimes they say identify what's what you want to be true at the end, like where you want a person who watches the ad to feel. And then do you reverse engineer from there? Or do you just start with the world is my oyster? I'm trying to separate the art from the business of it art it's so annoying advertising is not art but you have to totally you have to be in the right place so yeah. for a zombie apocalypse video game it's probably not going to be like funny and yeah. it could be i guess there are examples of that like zombie land or other things but totally i think you have immediately start with what is true about a, a zombie apocalypse? It's not that it's funny. It's that it's a test of human integrity and survival and all that stuff. So I think, yeah, not explicitly, but you consider what do I want someone to feel at the end of this? And it's that survival will change you or you, don't, you aren't who you think you are. Who you are in a regular world is not who you are in an apocalypse. So Know, testing the end result i want to be you to feel morally ambiguous and that's not necessarily an explicit thought but it's a feeling and then you just try to solidify that with concrete ideas and stories and real believable things and yeah create a different experience like right yeah. now your morals are based on an assumption of safety potentially that isn't there in a zombie apocalypse or yeah. whatever so i it's like with this, we were like, Jake, at the end of these 10 episodes, the three of us won't be who we were when we started. It'll be so. totally different. Yeah. Maybe I'll be a Ryan too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or a Holdman. <laughs> and when you set out to create this podcast, you started with, uh, I want to be a Ryan. <laughs> and the number one top way you could be a Ryan to do a podcast about podcasting with Ryan with Ryan <laughs> it's funny that we're calling you're calling it the Jake show when there are two Ryan's it really should be Ryan show maybe you guys have already touched on this and this is a little inside baseball but what about I do podcasts <laughs> <laughs> we strongly thought about that but Jake keeps going back to Monday morning podcast I don't hate it, don't hate it. for anybody listening <laughs> I once had a Video, videography business called Monday Morning Video, which didn't mean anything. I just thought it sounded cool. And all my friends made fun of me. And then Ryan Finley decided to create his own business called I Do Videos. 
Needless to say, nobody ever made any money on either of those companies. Can I add one <laughs> point there? It was because Monday Morning Videos was a wedding video business particularly. So I do videos is, was a nice double meaning. Yeah. A pun, if you will. Yeah. I will say that after years of hating it, Conceded I eventually... that it was a better idea. I admitted it was a good idea. In fairness, I get what you're going for. People tend to get married on Monday morning. I wanted to make it Sunday morning because I was like, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Then I realized that was stupid. So Monday morning. <laughs> I always thought that was when you started cutting the video together. <laughs> the day after the wedding, Monday morning. Hey, Train and Ellie, uh, I'm curious when you get to a point and you're just like, you're blocked, what do you do to get unstuck? How do you go around the boulder or mountain in front of you? Or maybe do you go under it? I don't know. And maybe if you wanted, you could, if it helped, like you could frame it as advice for Jake as he's thinking through this podcast, maybe he's stuck. How would you advise him to do that? I'll say what I've said before. And that is you have to just keep thinking or just keep swimming as a fish might say. That's not, that's not a great answer, but it's the best answer because it's hard. Everyone gets stuck you get, and all the time. And I think the will to continue thinking or pursuing the thing is probably a good measure of whether it's, not, it's worth pursuing or not. Obviously, in our jobs, we have to because we have to. That's why we get paid. But in a personal capacity, if it's not, uh, yeah, you just have, if it doesn't feel worth overcoming that stuckness, it might not be worth pursuing. And one time I read something somewhere that was like, if you're trying to come up with an idea, sit in a chair for six hours or something. I don't know if it was six hours, but go into a room and sit in a chair and do not get up until you have an idea. And I think that's ridiculous, but I also think there's something to that because a lot of what gets us stuck are distractions and, you know, life and uh, a bunch of other things. So I think the idea of sitting in a chair is distraction forcing yourself to avoid all distractions and simply think isolated about what it is you're trying to do or what an what ideas you're trying to come up with i read i don't know if it was in an article or something but it, it really stuck with me not too long ago i read that one of the problems and why a lot of people aren't as creative as they once were or is because we're we don't allow ourselves to be bored ever get out our phones we just yeah. we have no idea how to actually sit in silence and be bored which is actually where most good ideas come from is out of distraction-free boredom it's an interesting premise that to start from that we're not as creative as we used to be i'm not sure if i agree with that maybe that didn't assert that but one of the problems of lacking creativity is not allowing yourself to be bored yeah, I think getting that creating space for it. I'm curious if you have a thought on. I feel like I have start. a counterpoint to yeah. this. Oh, ooh, ooh, go ooh. on. For me, it's a little bit more about. I think I mentioned this earlier: inspiration, and 
you don't know, if you feel stuck, you don't know what you want. What I feel like I always ask myself, if I don't have any good solutions that I think are good, then I'm like, what do I want to do in this scenario? If I don't know what I want to do, then I haven't been inspired or I haven't seen somebody do that thing or I haven't, I haven't been jealous of somebody or some, something that they made or something that they did. And to me, that feels like is where I get stuck is where I'm like, what, a, what can this possibly be? Or what could this possibly look like? If you don't have an idea of that, you haven't seen it, then you should probably go find it. Mm-hmm. Find something that gets you excited or mm-hmm. think about what you want out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily sitting down and turning off all of my screens yeah. and sitting in a dark room and forcing myself to come up with it. It's like, you gotta, I feel like for me, it's looking around yeah. and trying to find something that gets me excited. I read about the Beatles. And how, so John Lennon and Paul McCartney were like the two producers of songs for them. And Paul McCartney was what you're saying. He, did, he was a grinder, like just writing a song because it's Tuesday. And on Tuesday, you write songs, period. It may not end up being your favorite song, whatever, but you write mm-hmm. a song. And John Lennon was more of playing a hammock till you get inspired to write <laughs> a song. And the reason their catalog is so extensive is because of McCartney's songs, really he just cranked and and it just he was committed to the process and it created a lot of volume or um on the wtf podcast louis ck and mark marion talked about their processes and louis ck had just gone so much further in the same amount of time because he just makes a point to produce an hour of comedy every single year yeah regardless of inspiration there's this just create something regardless of whether you know what you're going to do and hunt for something to build that off of even if it's not the most genius idea something to inspire something even if it's ends up being mediocre Mm -hmm. yeah so you're saying like work through it is sometimes a good way of approaching stuckness yeah and just like get get something my my thought would be get something produced that completes the creative cycle whether that be all the way to i'm not saying all the way to a completed ad or something but Mm -hmm. that other people can intersect with and they can now help pull out the stuff that's really good like i think by louis ck generating an hour of comedy every year he can go out there and perform that comedy and find out what parts of that hour were worth it and then he can build off of that by forcing himself to create something yeah i think repetition is important especially if you're just searching for one idea for a podcast or whatever maybe that's different but in terms of when we are paid to produce ideas repetition is critical not only for quantity but quality because the more ideas you come up with ultimately the the better you're going to get the better ideas faster over the long term. And I, it reminds me, another metaphor I've heard is keep trying door handles. So if you picture an infinite hallway with infinite doors, you just keep turning door handles until one of them opens. And it reminds me, Jake, of something I think you'll appreciate is a photo of Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. I'm already it. I'm trying to pull it up. But he's basically, I don't know, this is circa 2017. He's sitting in just a street in New York, I think. And he's in the middle of the frame and the entire, in the middle of the street, the entire street is yellow 
behind him and around him with his legal notepad pages of jokes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. So this is, I'm, I'm showing everyone Ooh. podcast people after this. Those are Google. It. That's I've seen that in a, yeah. that's his actual, like he's kept every joke and every thing he's ever written down. Yeah. And he's, he still holds on to those. So I think those are the actual pages. I started watching Seinfeld, the show from the beginning recently. And he has this bit about how, about let's go out and let's go do stuff. But then when you're out, it's like, let's get home. Like, how are we going to get home? It's just always, you don't want to be where you are thing. So this is very early. This is like 1990, probably that he's doing this bit. And you know how he does the like little starter bit at the beginning of the show and then the end of it. So he does this and it's short. It's like whatever, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Then I watch his new standup on Netflix and he has the same joke basically. He's better and more, more thoroughly developed. But I was like, holy crap, this guy just worked this joke for 40 years. Not 40. Yeah, 30, 40 years. I don't know how long, 30 years at least. And I, for one, I was like, what are the, uh, what are the ethics of such a thing? But whatever, it's his joke. He can do what he wants. But it was very interesting. Like he probably has been on like a couple of yellow pads, just like working the the nuance of that joke for a really long time. Yeah. What matters to me is that I laugh, not that I laugh at only new jokes. Only new jokes. Mm-hmm. That is the only thing that's. <laughs> for a second, I thought you said nude jokes. Oh, clo- no jokes about clothed things. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Nude jokes. Boring. Yeah, I think there's really what we need to get to by the end of these 10 episodes. And here we are in episode. I'm not going to say it because we don't know the order in episode number. Jake, you can go back and edit in the number right here. We'll press pause. All right, great. But we got to land an idea for Jake. You're going through the creative process earlier. You're talking about how you present the ideas to the client and they help land the final thing. But I'm curious, like, what advice as we try to zero in on on what Jake's show volume two will look like? I'd say, you know, just talk to as many people as you can. Get when we come up with an idea, like we feel, I feel like we can float it amongst mm-hmm. our friends. It's like, well, I have this campaign. What's the campaign? Let's, and you have to do a little pitch, and that's when you find out how good it is. I don't know. I don't do that. I'm the opposite, probably. I don't want anyone to know anything that I'm working on. And it, I don't know why, but it reminds me of a Stephen King has this book called On Writing. But he talks about how he doesn't, he's, he won't let, using the room as a metaphor, imagine Stephen King writing in a room by himself. He won't let anyone in the room, aka read his manuscript or whatever until he feels like it's finished. Yeah. You're getting this perspective of you're seeing the two sides of how our brains are wired, yeah. which is quite interesting. You know? I, I, what I do think is interesting and also really unique about podcasts and very cool about podcasts is that we don't even necessarily have to know exactly what we're trying to do. We've outlined it already. We're, you know, like this is like a passion project and like, how do you create passion projects? But again, like what is the, and that's like maybe the first 10, first 10 episodes is like, Hey, how do you develop a podcast? How do you develop your own passion project and different perspectives on this? But at the end of the day, we do want to have an idea as Ryan is saying, suggesting like, 
how do you like land something and move forward? But the cool thing about podcasts is that you can just start making them and it can develop over time. And I like the idea of just like interviewing as many people, talking to as many people as possible. And I'm hoping through that, we'll start narrowing in on, all right, this is our niche. This is actually what we want to focus on and you know, like take to market, so to speak. What sorts of podcast ideas do you have? Yeah, I've floated a lot of different ideas around, like some of which like Ryan and Ryan are not interested in some of things that I'm not interested in. So like we've thrown a lot of different ideas around, like passion projects, the idea to solve a problem, which is something we talked about in the first episode, even talking about theology is something I've talked around, but like what we're actually trying to accomplish, I guess the mission is something we're still trying to figure out. I think you can talk about all of those things in a single podcast. It's not like it's excluded, but what is the mission of your podcast? What are you trying to accomplish? I, I guess I am trying to, I want to start with the end and work backwards, but I'm afraid that I think the repetitiveness aspect of what you, as you've suggested, is really what's going to be important, which is just go do it. And I've had a fellow po other podcasters suggest the same thing. Just start making podcasts and see where it takes you. And also in find inspiration, like yeah. what is out there that you're liking that you're like, dang, that's yeah. awesome. And I want to be that whatever side of it is, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. When you were talking earlier about inspiration, I was thinking about how I have a list of people that I just like what they're up to, whether it be like, I like what Ryan Reynolds is up to. He's, he's charming and movie star, but he's also just sarcastic about exactly what he is at the same time. And I just appreciate that self-awareness, right? So it's like the self-awareness mm -hmm. of Ryan Reynolds is a, a thing that I like. And I, I think I'd say the same with like a LeBron James. I just like that sort of awareness of there's something bigger than even what I, what I fulfill the role of. And I keep this list of people check some of the things I actually care about. It's a way to see about being and it's a way to see that elsewhere and that kind of inspiration. Listen, I think that's a good idea. Is like, what are the characteristics of podcasts that you like? Even if they don't end up being the exact format, there can be components of that that create a new idea or a new type of podcast from somewhere that there isn't one. Yeah. Or it doesn't even have to be a podcast. That's interesting right. to you too. I do think it's ultimately okay and good to be specific and to appeal to things you enjoy. Like instead of a podcast about theology, it's a podcast about theology through the lens of Seinfeld or things like that. Yeah, and to that point, if you're not enjoying it, then why do it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, piano and salsa dancing. My favorite things. And graham crackers. That's actually one of my new favorite Graham crackers things. and capri pants. Shamu and Darth Vader. Shamu and Darth Vader. You know, in 2002, 2004, I said, capri pants, they're coming. And they, they never came. Man capris. I don't know. They, some people wore them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a metaphor in there. Man capris are a sign of They're, still, they're still coming. Call that laying down. That's trying a door handle right there. Wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, yeah. It didn't open. 
<laughs> Who's locked? I don't know. It's opening for me. So. <laughs> man, 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 linen pants didn't open. It did open for you, Jake. It just didn't open for everyone. Yeah, nobody else walked. Nobody else followed me through the door. Like joggers with without socks yeah. are a thing these days, which is not all that far from Caprice. That's a good point. That's a good point. Ryan Holden, I hope you're listening. He is. He's right here with headphones on. Yeah. <laughs> I have this one off my ear, though, so I can only half hear. Oh, right. All right, Andy, Ali, thank you so much for chatting. And this has been, again, one thing I keep saying just to friends and families, the cool thing about this is that no matter where this podcast goes, the fact that I just have like intentional conversations with people I really love and care about is like really valuable because, and it just forces you to have much more critical and thoughtful conversations than we normally would have. So thank you. Thank you for chatting with us. Oh, Jinx. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play us out here. Because Jake hates Is there a catchphrase we say at the end? Oh, yeah. Jake Show. Oh, that's Jake. That's the name of the show. See ya. Play the music. Okay, is that it? Play the music? With this guy. Thanks for listening to The Interesting Lives of Normal People. If you liked what you heard, we'd really appreciate giving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and telling your friends. It really helps new people find us. Thanks again to Andy and Ellie for chatting with us, and also thanks to Huga for letting us use her music in this episode. You can find more of her music on SoundCloud.